This year is brought to you by Eshel Publications. Eshel Publications is a non-profit organization dedicated to spreading the Torah, Shiurim, and Sefarim of Rabbi Aaron Lapiansky. For sponsorships or more information, visit eshelpublications.com. Yeshiva Greater Washington. Over the years, we've had a number of Talmidim that have uh, gone to, to learn with him and uh, share his wisdom and his insights. And I have to tell you, it's an unbelievable thing. Every year, Baruch Hashem, we've been Zohar to be able to have him join us and to be able to take questions and to inspire us with, uh, with his answers and with, with his wisdom. He's such a powerful personality for us. The last year, the, the yeshiva uh, was humbled to be able to order his sefer that he wrote and give it out to all the Tamidim. I don't know if there's another sefer coming out for this year, so we can give that to for But... Uh, it was for yeah the Torah for afterlife. So um, it really is a special chus for us, and the di- the way that we would like to structure it, unless uh, Rav Lapiansky has a different uh, idea, as we've done in the past, is we'll ask uh, Rabbi Ravlasky the Meshkiach to moderate some of the questions. I know some of the pe- some of you guys already sent questions to Re- to uh, Rabbi Ravlasky, so we'll begin maybe with one of those two questions, and then we'll see how the night kind of uh, begins or ends. I was told we're here for at least an hour. or beyond, and really just want to thank Raul Piansky publicly for, for coming to our best mission and uh, being with us, inspiring us tonight. I always look forward, it's, uh, it's a sign of Talmidim that they, they, the type of questions and the earnestness with which you take life and desire to understand things says a lot about the Makkum. Baruch Hashem, we have people from our high school and from neighboring high schools from our area. And Baruch Hashem, they all come back, Torah, they all come back greatly changed. And it's, uh, it's a Hakar Satov to the Yeshiva here. And over the years, we had boys from here by us, and we've been very Nana. So, Chazak uh, Vamatz, and keep doing the tremendous the giving Torah Sites Israel and inspiring people to Torah Sites Israel. Um, was, uh, I was emailed a list of questions that the boy sent in, so I'll read some of them and we'll open up. Just a little louder, so. To what extent does Kibbutz aim play a role in life decisions? So I, I want to speak about um, the halacha part of it. In strict halacha, the um, people mistranslate the mitzvah of Kibbut Av and Aim. Somehow it became obey your parents. That is not the halacha. The halacha is to respect, which means certain specific actions that Chazal describe. Technically, if your father tells you, I'd like you to be an engineer and you want to be something else, you do not have to obey. Um, if they tell you to marry somebody or not to marry somebody that you like, then you also have no chiv to obey. There's no chiv to run your life in things that have no special bearing on them. On the other hand, it becomes extremely tricky when does it become disrespectful. I, I always feel there's a saying that das Torah is hefek das balabayas. It, that we always have das babayis das Torah. We always have the opposite reaction than we should. 
if our parents tell us to do something, then we um, will argue and yell and scream and become possibly quite obnoxious. At the end, we say, well, I've got to do it. The Allah is the opposite. What you did in the beginning is, is the Isidoraisa. What you did at the end might not be necessary. But Ramayusha speaks about when does disobeying become an insult or not. But Lamaisa, um, a person's a parents are meant to run their child's life. On the other hand, on a practical level, um, many times, uh, I mean, a parent does have a right sense of direction. A um, person is young, a person is impulsive, a person makes rash decisions, childish decisions, and the guidance of a parent uh, is, is very, very important. Um, many people have retroactively realized that their parents had a lot more wisdom than they thought they did. Um, and I've been, you know, over, over years, I've been involved in yeshiva issues sometimes with parents and children, where sometimes the parents' insistence for or against a certain shidduch or certain things like that turned out to be extremely accurate. They had the intuition, they had the feel, and even though they may not have been able to articulate it, or maybe the boy was very, very involved in it and he couldn't see it, but the parents actually, um, you have to take two things um, as a given. Parents almost always have your best interest at heart. Yes, they're also people, they also have their own things, but many times they certainly start from a point of wanting to do good for you. And secondly, they do have accumulated years of wisdom and they know you quite well. It doesn't mean that they're infallible, it doesn't mean there aren't issues. Sometimes you get a parent who has real difficulties and a lot of what I said has to be qualified. S but, but even so, taking what they said and giving it a lot of weight is usually an extremely good move. So, recapping. Halachically, um, doing anything you can not to, uh, to tell a parent or to give the impression you don't know what you're talking about, you're wrong, you're stupid, you're crazy, all that, that's a terrible iser. Um, on the other hand, they do not have the right, the, the absolute right to dictate your life ahead. But bear in mind that A, there is a good chance that there's a lot, a lot of merit in what they're trying to tell you. And also, a difficult relationship with a parent is a harbinger for a difficult marriage and a future. I spoke with somebody who runs a prestigious Baltuba Yeshiva, and um, one of the boys, somebody that I was involved in America, somebody who had stayed with us in America, so we were there by the wedding, and I know the Rosh Yeshiva. And this boy's father was really, really, by all counts, not an easy person, and so on, many, many issues. But this Rosh Hashiva worked hard at patching up a reasonable relationship. And he told me from years of experience, if your relationship with your parents is reasonable, it, 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 it's, uh, it, you know, it's, it's a good simon for a future relationship with a spouse. And if not, it creates strains and stresses and so on. Yeah. 
one is capable and loves learning, does he have the obligation to learn all day? There's a big difference between loving to learn and making it a lifetime career. The Rambam, is, I, I want to explain a dynamic that people may not understand. At this age and this time, what determines whether you're in base marriage or not is how much you enjoy learning and like learning and so on. That's the single biggest factor. Um, and obviously, in this Kufan life, a person needs to um, you know, learn as much as he can. People have different attention spans, different abilities to put hours, but Ashray, the person that can put in 24-7, and that's, that's most appropriate. As a person gets older, the sense of who I am, what I am, I, 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 the word toiroso umnoso is not a negative definition. It doesn't mean that I'm not doing anything but learning. It means, toiroso umnoso means this is me. Me learning is the equivalent of you being a lawyer, you being a doctor, you being an engineer. It's what I'm doing, the sense of accomplishment, the sense of my contribution to the world. That's a whole subset of it. I'll add a fascinating anecdote. My wife's grandfather was Mir Rosh Hashiva Rebbe Yudel. Rebbe Yudel was the Mir Hashiva in Europe. He built up the yeshiva to its peak in Europe. The war destroyed it as a yeshiva. The most of the mirrors, the vast majority, end up in America, uh, and the famous Shanghai uh, um, period. And Rebbe Yudel rebuilt it in Yisrael slowly, slowly, and rebuilt it. And um, he always one of his characteristic interactions was to demand people speak to him in learning. He severely underpaid in the yeshiva and the kolel, and, um, and that itself is probably an understatement. <laughs> they, but he would pay you a lot of money for either taking a test by him or telling Meshachal Torah. And he would push the people who were naturally gifted at saying Torah to, um, to tell them and the people who are good at memory, you would push them to say a chiddush and, and sort of grade them on that. That was the way he pushed people to maximize themselves. Some, so somebody was said over, um, I think it might have been Reb Shiller Fael. I believe I might have heard it from him. He said he came down to the um, to he called, uh, with the draft notice that he should sign the Teres of Nasei. So he, 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 he takes a look at his glass, he reads it, uh, and I, I confirm this person's Teirosum Nasei. So he says, you know, there's a Shaila in Gemara, if Umen Kona Bishvach Kli or not. It's a halachic sugya about when you're given something to fix to an Uman, whether or not the fact that he's changed and improved the Kli, which is what he does, um, does that make it halachically in his reshus until you take it back and so on? It's, it's a, hal- a very halachic sugya and, and has to, doesn't have to do anything with this issue. But he said, maybe the people at the draft office at the Shkata Yus hold that umen that the only time you call it umen is if you improve and you know, change the kli. So without hearing a shtickle tire from you that I consider shvach kli, I'm not sure I can sign off on you that you're an umen. That was a cute, a cute way of his to push the presentation to go tired. But I, I would like to say it here. 
the Rambam says that when he speaks about Shevet Levi and, and, and put Shevet Levi on a pedestal and, you know, in, in words that are incredible, but he makes a condition about somebody that's Nadva Ruchai. It means a person needs to feel it is normal for a human being to want to earn his way, take on responsible, physical responsibilities of life and in the economic realm. There are the select who feel I want to be Kodesh Kadashim, and that's it. That type of person, the Rambam, even though he normally advises against taking money in order to learn, he says, HaKadosh Baruch will provide for you. There, there is, are two Rambams that you usually hear one or the other. Rarely do you hear both together. There are two Rambams. One Rambam is against uh, um, it, and the other Rambam says, it's more than just liking to learn. You need to feel that this is your life's calling. This is the this is your umness, and and you know you're learning above a comma, you know, and and, and thoroughly is to you the the same emotional satisfaction as somebody else who is um, working at whatever he's doing, plowing the field. Most people today do benefit, and almost it's necessary to spend a few years learning between yeshiva, between kolel, it's something that establishes the home on very healthy Torah foundations and, and, and uh, once upon a time was different, but today that's the way it is. But to make Torah a lifetime calling, enjoying learning at this age is not yet enough. You need to feel this is your life, this is who you are, this is what you are. Should one avoid secular university at all costs? even if it means sacrificing a special program that the school offers that can set them up ahead with a job opportunity? Um, you know, with, one doesn't need to say Svaris. Um, take a look at the statistics of people going to secular universities um, that started out Shomator Mitzvahs and end up not. I mean, th- we're not talking about 1%, 2%, 5%. We're talking about very, very, I mean, stock statistics. Even the people who end up showing our mitzvahs, emotionally, in, with their heart neshama, there's a dilution. Are there exceptions? Of course. But would a person take the same risk with something physical? Not everybody who smokes dies of cancer. Now, many people smoke into, at the hundredth birth, birthday, but but the numbers are enough that a person takes very seriously. Why a person going into a, a type of arrangement where there is a, where people like him exactly have um, have married out, and not talking about one or two, have dropped observance lemachzel shushavia or are living an observant life hollowed out. If, I'm, if it's emes and true that Torah and HaKadosh Baruch Hu is what's important, would I take a risk like that? Will I, w- what will be the consequence? So, yes, a person is ambitious, he would like to be at the top of the field. But, Baruch Hashem, there are enough arrangements today between places like Yeshiva University, Landers, I'm allowed to mention Landers, right? <laughs> it's more, it's more, I don't know the, um, 
um, we have plenty. We, we have our graduates who become surgeons and doctors and dentists and lawyers by different arrangements with the university. Um, you know, I, I believe whatever you do, you should do well, but you can, you can do it without sinking yourself into an environment that's so alien. I mean, why would a person think that he'll be different than anyone else? So m my feeling is just looking at the facts on the ground. And the Ruch Nisakana, so it's one thing if a person would say there are no job opportunities at all of any without that. Baruch Hashem, I can tell you from our graduates, we've graduated hundreds of graduates over the years, and you know, Baruch Hashem, they're all misparnas, they, you know, there's, there's, there's a small segment that's sitting on the Torah of Avodah, there is a larger segment who is in Chinuch Rabbanus, and the vast majority are in all sorts of walks of life, and Baruch Hashem, they do, they do well. So, so, that a person can answer in a Yom Adin, that so it's one thing a person says, I didn't have panasa. So to tell a person to be most nefesh, even though maybe it's the right thing to do, but it takes a lot to tell a person. But a person says, you know, I, I never would have made it as CEO. I would have been stuck as a department head, a division head, because of where I'm coming from. And that's why I chose to drop it all. It's a hard one. And, and I think that that's um, it's an issue people need to face honestly and squarely. Is there an obligation for one to move to Israel as soon as they came out of doing so? So th this is something that really is an issue of perspective. The, the, the Zionist orthodoxy um, put a very strong dogish on living in Israel. It, it is the ethos of, of orthodox Zionism, religious Zionism, that Eretz Yisrael, that it's so central to Jewish people, is everyone's understanding. But that it means today, once we have the opportunity, our person should pick up and come here, no matter what it takes, um, no matter difficulties and so on, is that the youth is that movement. Um, it's coming from a certain place. It had Hashua people that, that, that backed it and that, that, that felt that way. The world I come from, that's not the way it's seen. The core is seen as learning. That's the core religious activity. So thank you very much. Um, the the core religious activity in the more I know we'll call it the Shivish world is Talmud Torah. Eretz Yisrael, in my world, is seen as being the place that's optimal. Mitzad, the reality that the the intensity and the level of learning in Eretz Yisrael is unparalleled. Um, the 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 kedusha and so on. Um, that is the world I come from, and there's a world that holds its Isidoraisa. So, depending on really where you're coming from, so that will, the question will be, what is the most critical piece of the puzzle? Religious Zionism um, postulated Eretz Yisrael, and everything else will fit in, needs to fit in. Other, other Chalakim, and again, that's the world I come from, postulated Talmud Torah as the core, and Eretz Yisrael as being sort of around it, and, and, and just because it's very good for that. Uh, and uh, that, that has a lot to do with where you're coming from, where the, what your basic chinuch is. What is the Rav's opinion on Yeshiva Bachrim vaping? You all doing what? Vaping. Okay. Um, when I was a Bachar, um, the word vaping meant the following.
a, a um, in Yiddish, oiskevept means um, something that has become, uh, what's the right word for it, dried out, evaporated, evaporation, probably oiskevept was evaporation. In Miloshan vapor, oiskevept means the vapors are gone. So somebody who's burnt out, dried out, and so on, was called oiskevept, or, or we call him his vepping. That was when somebody was kind of in the doldrums, not doing well. So that type of vaping is certainly not recommended. <laughs> but the other type of vaping is like every other activity. A, how dangerous is it for your health? A, you know, like a person does, a, 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 you know, any activity like that. And there's also a secondary aspect to it. Let's say, let's say somebody has playing cards. Is what, what, you know, what, what about playing cards? So there's two parts to it. There's the technical detail of halachically muta asa, and then the second question is, where do you usually play cards? Who do you play cards with? And what's the mood in, in a card playing session? It, it's not only, card playing is not only an issue of specific act. You ask yourself, what's the surrounding? What are people and so on? I, I must admit, I'm not familiar, familiar with whether vaping is done whether it's done outside yeshiva, inside yeshiva, I, I, I don't know. But I'm saying those are the two issues. One issue is if it's a health risk and it's something that you get stuck on and, and so on, what's the point of it? Um, you know, people, unfortunately, in the, in the, in, in the more yeshivish yeshivas, smoking is looked, is either they look away at it or it's maybe even sort of, passively encouraged as being, I don't know what, people get into a habit that costs them health and money for decades to come. You pay for cigarettes through your nose, and then someday you pay to stop smoking, to take, you know, whatever it takes to stop smoking. So, so you really ask yourself, why would a person, it's wrong to do that. Why would I get into a habit that takes so much from me and gives me so little? I don't know about vaping. I, I just I'm not. I, I don't know the facts on the ground. But the first question a person asks himself: What is so an activity that's relaxing doesn't cost much and is not addictive? That's fine. The second question is: Does it come with a social aspect of chevra that automatically puts me since I can't vape in the base medrash wherever I go to vape and the people that come down with me to vape? is an issue because I, I sort of become part of a group that's hanging out on something else. Th those, those are the two things I would say to, that you would consider. How should one look at zeros to Rabbana that are seemingly no longer applicable today? For example, not to Menem Shabbos, but one might throw the rap. So, the, there's a famous Goyen that says that the Rabbanans have in themselves um, have in themselves uh, many more time than they gave. The time they gave was the, the, the easy time, the time that was most understood. I, I want to give a little bit of a different understanding. S s first of all, it's just like, I, I, I want to give a muscle. If there are some laws, every, every, every normal being understands that a lawless society and an anarchy is a terrible place for everyone. Everyone feels that m many laws are reasonable, some laws are strange, and some laws are idiotic. But you understand that if you use your judgment which ones to break, 
then basically you've broken the system. And somebody who's a decent person understands says, I think this law is the most idiotic thing, I think it's counterproductive, but it's the most important thing is to keep the legal system and not destroy it. So there is a system of Torah Halacha, and who makes the decisions and how those decisions can be overturned. It all revolves around Vesna Gadol. It's a parashat Torah and Shoftim. And, and once we start using our own quote-unquote um, seichel to judge these things, then nothing is sacred. Because, yes, raft buildings are common today, but when I have an, an, an Isaiah with honesty, believe me, I can come up with many, many good excuses. And, and, and everything like that. It, it, there, were, there was a very, very wise person who tried that approach in the Rices, and his name was Shlomo Melech. And it said, the Torah said that, that the Yarbaloi Nashim, because they'll be Matalev, I'm smarter than that. And the, the, the you know, famous Chazal, that you bottle El of Shlomo, not Oisachas, and the end, he got snagged up in it. So, so the first reason why we need to stick to the system is because once you feel comfortable taking ownership of the system, a system no longer exists. So just a very, very short... There, many of the reform movements in different guises started with this approach, and basically they all ended up stripped of any halacha. And the reason was, if I'm in charge, believe me, I have a lot better mitzvahs and various I'd like to get rid of than, 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 than the, the swimming on Shabbos. And, and that's the way it works. I'd like to give a secondary Hezbo. So that I think is the primary Hezbo. The second Hezbo I'd like to give is the Torah functions on basic human activities. In other words, technology is a chachma around things. But many of the halachas are built uh, 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 on, on common human interaction. A tefach is a tefach, an amma is an amma. Um, the, the size of things, the halachas are built on the natural human being in a natural habitat. What are those things? Building, when you're swimming, and if most swimming is not done in a swimming pool, the, the swimming pool is a luxury in the last century, you go to a river, you go to a place, and when things are rough, you grab a few branches and you put them together. It's, it's a natural instinct. And therefore, halacha builds itself around that. That's why when you ask questions, Halach is built on what the eye sees and what is a natural human instinct. And therefore, it's valid in a certain sense the same way, because whether technology will last or not, the, it, it, the Halacha addresses what's a natural human instinct. Most rivers, most lakes, are, uh, seas are difficult to swim. And when the turbulence, whatever it is, you naturally grab hold of a branch, snap it off, and, and sort of hold on to it. That's the that's the, the sort of the halachic logic behind it. After this question, I'll open it up for. Yeah. If Hashem loves us, then why did He make the mitzvot with so many details and with so many qualifications in order to be yotzei? For example, if my tefillin isn't sitting on me exactly the right way, I'm not yotzei. Um. So. Let's say. Um, 
somebody is being treated for an illness with, with a complex um, treatment system, and would the same logic apply? If the doctor really loves me and my parents really love me, why is this so complicated to take care of? Why don't they just give me an aspirin for it? You know, we look at halacha as a whim. Akarish Baruch who picked out, he said, I like you fellas. I'd like to give you some activities to earn a lot of schar. Um, so like we'd be designing a carnival. And here are some great activities where you can chalk up a lot of points. So then the question is, so why make it so complicated? That, that makes a lot of sense. But we're looking at topsy-turvy. Mitzvahs are our grasp to a world beyond us. So just like if I teach somebody programming, it's not coloring sheets of paper, do it as you want, Tatala. It's, I'm, I'm talking about something real. I'm talking about something that is real, and I'm giving you a gateway into that world. Tefillin is real. Ribua and Shachar and all of these things are a certain mitzvah. Do we understand it right now? No. But as we start doing it, and as we start getting into it, that world becomes more familiar to us. Let's take a, a simple example. A person who has no special affinity for music, and he sees a, a maestro play a piece, and he's not happy. No. This needs a little florid shade. This needs that. He looks at him baffled, and he doesn't get it. Now, once he gets into it, and he gets a feel for music, and he gets a feel for, 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 for the arrangement of the music, and so on, at some point he understands it. With physical people, and that's 100% right that the details of, 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 of um, tefillin are meaningless to us. Because Akadosh Baruch Hu loves us, he says, I will take you into a world that's far beyond this world. Part of it is by doing it, part of it is by learning about it, part of it is about thinking about it. But understand the world of Ruchnius is a real world, and it's just, it's just beyond our world. And the, the schus of doing mitzvahs is the ability to enter that world. So just like music, uh, the first time you hear a piece of classical music, unless you're born that rare genius, you think, you think it's, it's, a, it's a waste of time. You think it's just, uh, you know, it it's, it's, uh, gives you nothing. If you gain an appreciation of it, you begin to understand it. So that's the world of mitzvahs. It's a world that's real, and that's why the details cannot be overlooked. Just like programming, you can't say, well, I've done so much today, let, let's just... Let me program it without this command, without that command. You know, I've, I've done enough. 98% is, is, is zero on a computer programming. It, it's, 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 um, it's not going to work, at, you know, unless you get every last detail right, because it's a metzias. It's not, it's not a picture. It's not, it's not a, an idea. It's not a painting. It's real. The world of mitzvahs is real. The question is, um, at what point are we zocher to become part of that world? I think that that's usually a good reason to get into Yiddishkeit. And I, I, you know, to, 
I once heard a very, very insightful approach from an Adam Godel. Somebody, a certain f- person or family had any sign about doing something, and the Rav who was advising them was, didn't, was stuck in, in, in to reassure them, not to reassure them. It might have been something about a job, it might have been something else. I don't remember the detail, but I do remember it was something. And he went to ask an Adam Godel. And this person told them, told him, don't tell them everything will be okay. Tell them that you'll never regret that decision. You can tell people it's hard, it's challenging, but I assure you you'll never regret it. That's something that's emis. It's, it's getting into it is challenging because you have to change. But it's something that anyone who, who gets into it, emis of Leif Shalom, Never, never, never regrets it. So I think that's the type of thing to tell people. It's a different life. It's a life that has so much richer, so much deeper, so much more meaningful. It has meaning to it. You're here because Hashem wants you here, and He's expecting of you, and 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 you're doing something. Just to receive the question: Why in Shaduchim should a girl generally look for a boy in Torah and Avoda, but not much Chesed, whereas a guy should look for a girl mainly with? Because you want to have a nice girl who does a lot of good things, cooks nicely, and does things for you. Don't you want to have a girl that will just sit all around all day and, and tell you, you know, what can I do for you? That's that's a, that's a. Um, so let me. I guess if you have a few minutes, I I'll, I'll. There was something I said recently. I, I saw a goyen, and I applied it somewhere. Rashi says. Kos, famous Rashi called Soma Lebeis Yaakov um, and Tagid uh, Meisrol that there's a difference between men get dikdukim and onshim and women tell them safaraka lashonaka safaraka so a, a different approach men should be tough and so on women um, you should be soft and so on so the simple pshat kind of is men you should bark at them, yell at them, tell them how terrible the Gehenim is, and women should go easy and tell them nice things about it and so on. That's the typical... The Goyen explains someplace, doesn't say it on the Pasuk, but I think it's... The difference between Dibur and Amira, he says Dibur is, are the words themselves, the words of Torah themselves. Amira is th- the deeper meaning behind it. It's... It's those, it's those ideas and feelings that when they're in those words, but they haven't been expressed with the words. Dibur has something that's solid and concrete, and, and Amira is closer to the heart. That's the difference in the two. Vayoma Balibo, you have a lot of times, and so on. The Rashi says that men, you tell them dikdukim and einshim. A man naturally deals better and it brings out better in him when, when he deals with things that are very tachlis and lemaisa. And we see it. Someone who sits in yeshiva and learns seriously and argues and, and, and works on the pratim and the details of the halacha, the, you know, which in, in whatever derech you do, that the libun shmaitzer, it changes the person more than anything else. And, and it has a very, very strong effect on the person. 
obviously a person can be a mushchas and midas, and then he needs help for that. And, but generally speaking, when we're talking about a general regimen that, that makes the person change, working hard and breaking your head on, on the halacha is what creates a profound change. And that's what yeshiva is all about. And you see, you see a bentura, someone's sitting a few years and, and learned hard. Unless he has a serious character flaw that needs to be dealt with, the whole person will, will accept the law. Women don't have, that's not their gateway to Yiddishkeit. Their gateway to Yiddishkeit is the goodness, the 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 the, the, the of it. That's the natural gateway. The halach is what you have to keep, what you have to do, because that's right. It's a difference in the person. And that's why this two, the kosomar and, and, and this tagid are two different things. Men deal with dikduke halacha. That's what Rashi says, dikduke men oinshin. Women deal with the, the, the primis of it, the neshama of it. So chesed is a general activity that brings out the best in the ruchness of a woman. They have to keep halacha, they have to halachas. But the, the, the nitpicking and the going back and forth is not what brings it out. And men doing nice things is good, it's positive, it's positive change. It doesn't come close to breaking their heads and, and, and being mishabed their bodies to sitting and harving on a sugya. So, I'm not sure why it is, but a bachel has been sitting and learning seriously. Again, unless the person has, has issues, which unfortunately there are. But uh, generally speaking, the boy who's serious about his learning and works hard at it, he'll be much more refined and much more able. A, a girl, the, the, the primary marker is, is she giving person, interested in other people, does she reach out to other people, things of that nature, that tends to be a, a, a primary marker. Somebody, he has a Lamaisa question about a certain, yeah, yeah? I have a different question. Okay, no, so that's up to him to sort of yeah, yeah. yeah. How do we calculate for ourselves what the You know, whatever a person needs, <coughs> if we were to run 24-7 learning, one in a thousand would be amazing, would become like the next Godel. And 999 would have different degrees of breakdowns. It depends on the person. And the best guide is an outsider. Because if I can learn more than I'm learning, but I'm lazy, I'm not going to admit it. I'm going to say I need time off. If I'm learning a lot more than I can handle because I'm jealous of other people or reputation, whatever it is, I'm not going to admit it to myself either. These are areas where a Rebbe who understands you, knows you, and has a good sense of things is invaluable. So, so Bittal Torah is not using your full potential. Each person is different. Some people, some people can sleep three hours a night and do it. Most people will, 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 will be shredded if they do that. Some people can have little social contact and still be very emotionally healthy and be called Kulay Torah. For some people, it brings out the worst. A, a Rebbe person who understands you and understands what your potential should be is, is invaluable for these type of things. <coughs> what does the Rosh Hashiva think about having a television in one's home and a phone without a filter? <laughs> <laughs> is, it, is somebody Jewish or not? <laughs> you know, I mean, let's, let's ask ourselves, you know, I mean, what's that sad that it's okay? In, in other words, um, you, you're basically diluting everything you stand for by being part of 
everything around you. In other words, it's, it's almost impossible to understand what, what that would be. I'll, I'll add a point, though. I, I, I'm kind of thinking it's interesting where the question is coming from. But I, I want to add something. Um, one of the mitzvahs, one of the strong chiyuvim and HaKadosh Baruch Hu's um, description of Klai Yisrael, it says, I've divided you and separated you from the Amin. So I, I once saw um, a biologist wrote something that I thought had a lot, it was, it was very insightful. When people ask in a cell, what is the most important organ of a cell, or organelle, or whatever they call them, the, the, a component of a cell, nucleus, uh, many other features of, of a cell that, that, that mitochondria, many, many different parts of it that are important. And you could, he said, the most important part of the cell is the membrane around the cell. Take the cell's content, exactly as it is, open up the membrane and let it go into the water, it's not a cell anymore. It's a collection of proteins, it's gook. Because the cell defines its own entity. The minute you open up the cell, there's no entity there. So you have all the components, but the, the, it loses its sense of self, and then it becomes part of the water, and, and then it's just water with, 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 with a little bit of protein here and there. We are different. Torah means we have a different sense of life, a different <coughs> sense of what's proper, a different sense of, of a, a tafkid, of who we are, what we are, and what's right and what's wrong. So it's critical that I see myself as different. We, we say it every week in Abdullah. If we, if, if we have no filter in every, and, 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 forget the phone, everything else, then who are we? If we think like Dumas Olam, and we act like the Umas Olam, and, and, and we're part of the Umas Olam, so where's Kali Yisrael? That is, is, so understanding we will have to create insulation. How much? How much interaction and so on? Different opinions. But minimally, for some that's not necessary, why would I want the culture, which is the mindset of people who have no shared values with us, become part of our values, part of our lives. The way they talk, the way they think, the way they act, and so on. How could that be anything other than destroying my, my Tzur of Yisrael? Yeah. Maybe um, introduce yourself. What's your name? From where? And also a piece, even. So, any so the first point that's critical is to be around a focal point that is culturally has the values you want. If you have a community that the community is focused on spiritual growth, people come to Shurim and learn, people are serious at the davening, people act with each other properly. So that's, so at least 
It's very hard not to belong, and and unless you belong. So if you have a tangible, very starker non yeshivish gehilla, that is your starting point. The second point is, you are the balabas, you are the master to decide how much of the culture is important and what needs to be blocked out. We don't even make those decisions. But if we make a decision, what are activities that I feel are necessary to be part of a bigger world? What are activities that maybe not necessary, but they don't really schlep us into another culture? And which activities consume us? It's very fascinating. The most famous Gioris is Rus. And she's held up as a paradigm for Gairus. And even some, um, she's become actually, I don't just say the poster girl for many um, very, very left-wing groups who say that we should embrace a Gioris and we should not make any obstacles, not make life difficult for them. Th- be, you know, look how Rus enriched us and brought Malchus and all the wonderful things about Rus. Okay, so, so let's use Rus as our poster. The f- what was the first thing she was taught about Yiddishkeit? The first thing. So, it's, we learned the halachas of Geirus. Many of them we pick up from Rus. The first thing she told Naomi is Bashatelchi Eilech, so Chazal say, she told her the first things, you're not allowed to go to movies. Tartaroyes and Karkasioyes are also lano. They didn't have a TV, I guess. But they, 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 what's the pshat? All, all the chumras and all the mitzvahs and everything, where's Tartarus and Kassar fit in over there? Why? The answer is, Rus was a Mavia. And she told her, the first thing is, you need to stop being a Mavia and become a Yisraelis. <coughs> Tartarus and Kassar are the cultural milieu of that nation. Becoming part of Kleisel means you're out of that orbit and a very different orbit. So you are the balabas to decide which activities. For a healthy family life, you can't be a loner. And that's why being part of a community that has a like-minded perspective on life is critical. You don't want your kid to be the only kid not doing anything but Shabbos. You want your kid to be part of Avasubanim, part of of Dor Ladur, part of any, you know, whatever it is that the program of learning is, or Torahic activity, or, or at least Yiddish activity. So living in a community that has those values we're talking about is very critical. And using your judgment everything else, a child needs to up knowing there are tattoos and concerns we don't go to. They're different. Some people will go to a museum clearly, some people will not go. Fine. That's already, but, but it has to be a conscious choice where you say to yourself, this fits into my picture, this doesn't fit into my picture. I don't know what mainstream high schools mean. I don't want You need to go to a school that fits your values. So whatever your values as an adult will be, it, it, whichever way, right, left, stark, not stark, you can't send a kid to a school that's not in line with your sense of what the right lifestyle is. But it, as you build your lifestyle, as I say, you need a community. <coughs> and, and the community will include, if this is your natural community, it'll include a, 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 a shul that has the type of people looking for what you're looking, 
and a school that has a, a, a direction that you're comfortable with, and then mainly you'll be comfortable with something else. Yeah. What's, can you introduce yourself? I'd like to get to know you. What? From Milwaukee. So A, it is something that your particular Abayim and staff should be, should be you know, that they, they should be calling the shots. I, I, you know, as an outsider, it's not quite appropriate. But what I can tell you is um, one of the sh terrible shortcomings, and this is even the yeshivish places. Where's our non-yeshivish guy? The, the, even the yeshivish places have a problem. It used to be that learning was just wrote, 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 memorization, memorization, wrote, and so on. That was learning in the old days. People realized that that can't be, and we opened up Eon, understanding, ideas, svaras, analysis, and so on. Instead of adding, we slipped a bit, and it came to a, to a, to a situation where there's almost no chazara, no accumulation of knowledge, and to everybody's detriment, because what, what inspires a person the most to go further in what he's doing is tangible signs of success. If I work at something and I'm putting money in the bank every week or month, that's fine. Then I see what I'm doing. If I'm living hand to mouth, at some point I just become discouraged. If your learning is not adding up to more knowledge, at some point it becomes discouraging. There's a program, I, I read some of, Baruch Hashem, there's a proliferation of a lot of programs, learning programs, like Dafayomi spun off to many different ideas. One of them, I read some of the accounts of people, and, and it, 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 I was emotional. It's called, I think, Vaharevna, and it includes a lot of Chazaras and testing that you know it. And people said they never knew anything in yeshiva. And so at the age of 40, they discover it. So there may be reasons, and again, your Abayim are the best suited to tell, you the, to tell you what. But somewhere along the line, you need to feel that after a year in Yeshiva, there's something you know and you feel good about. Because if you come away knowing X amount of information and material, it's going to be the biggest incentive to do next year and to add to that. So, so Chazara becomes something that I think is the most invaluable part of it, especially today when, for whatever reason, it's sort of become, you know, we, we don't really do s strict testing, unless a person is maybe doing, you know, your day or something, and, and then s people slack off on it, and it becomes, and, it's, and, and they know a little bit, and then they just don't know anymore. And you, after a year, two, three, and people sit a long time and learn, and they ask themselves, what do I know? And they don't. It, it becomes extremely devastating to them. So somewhere along the line, getting used to serious Hazara is important. H how to work around all the pieces, I don't know. That's something that your name has to help you with. How does one develop an appreciation for learning Gemara behavior? So it, it's one of those things that, A, um, you know, s some people take it immediately. Some people take a long time. Some people possibly never. 
but but let me tell you the type of iyun that jibes with Chazara. I've had Rebbeim who would ask, they would learn the Gemara back and forth, and they would ask Tysus's question, and nobody in the class caught on. Until when we learned Tysus, they saw it, and we were, we were supposedly we had learned Tysus before. And the reason was because we skimmed it. We, we didn't actually pound it out back and forth. As long as Ion is seen as an outside injection into the Gemara, um, then, then it's hard to get a Geshmak in it. But when you coax somebody to ask the question, what's wrong with Rashi? Why is Rashi saying this? What is Rashi saying? What's extra in this Rashi? When a person begins to have the question themselves, then Ion is seen as being part and parcel of the Gemara itself. Um, Rambam, uh, 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 when you read a Rambam and push people to ask the question on their own, you point out two Rambams, ask somebody. If somebody comes to a Shaila, somebody asked me once, uh, somebody she asked me this, he's, he's like, Muntalacha. I said, fine. A lady comes with a Shaila, what's the din? So he'll point to Rambam. He said, but the other Rambam says, not like that, by implication. And, and I think it was the first time you realized that I've got to resolve these two Rambams. I can't just say I want to do something simple because there is nothing simple. I mean, the two Rambams imply two different answers for, for the problem I raised. It's trying to see that the Eon is part of your basic understanding. And, and when you do the Gemara a lot of times, the Taisa a lot of times, the Masha's question should become obvious. The Briskarov once said, there's a Sefer on Kutch, in Kachim called Karen Ira. It's, it's one of the few acronym on Kachim. It's, I guess, similar to Masha's style, in a sense. Um, and the, the Briskarov once said, it's a useless safer. He said, because if you haven't learned the sugya well, you're not going to have this question. And if you learned the sugya well, you should have asked every question that he asks. And I think if Ian gets translated to, to a natural, I don't get it, then... I think we'll, we'll, we'll have solved a, a big piece of that problem. Introduce yourself, please. Gabe Gersberg from Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, what advice would Yoshio give to uh, all the Papanero after Yeshiva go back to America and get all learn there? How do we continue our, our growth in the Medicode? I, I think just understanding that by having been here a year or two, and becoming very turned on, that's not in itself going to keep you over there and um, the way you are. It, it, you can't just say, well, I did so well here, so I'm just going to walk in. Understand it's different. Understand what the issues are. And understand what you need to change. You, you, in, I always tell Bachrim, in Israel, in, in if you float, you float into the base medrash. In America, if you float, you float out of the base medrash. So in Eretz Yisrael, you're kind of passive, and there's a staff that embraces you and schleps into the base medrash, coaxes you into the base medrash, does something that gets into the base medrash, and everybody's in the base medrash, and there's no real other pull. Any other pull is kind of, you know, it's just by because you decide to chill out. When you get back to the States, and you start going to school, and you move on with life, life is pulling you a different direction. You need to develop muscles to force yourself 
to do the things. It may take a while till you can understand what it is that you're capable of doing, what, you know, what can, but just understanding that you can't ride in on the high that you're coming from here. You're going to have to, and you may have overestimated yourself. You can't do two full storm, you can do 1.6 storm. But then make that foolproof. Make whatever it is that at some point you realize you're capable of doing, you have to apply pressure to yourself to do it. Because if you don't, if you don't focus yourself and, and push yourself, if, if you let things go the way they go, you're going to, you're going to get out of it. What's again, introduce yourself. <laughs> um, that means I have to be acquainted with all the Itzaharas. The, the, um, so I've someone actually asked it uh, recently, and I, I want to tell you two two items: one mundane, one kind of practical, and one deeper. I think the practical one I think is technology, in the sense that Torah, Yiddishkeit requires thinking. It requires concentration. It requires blocking out everything else. Focus. That has taken such a devastating blow that it's hard to know um, how we're going to realign it. To be able to sit in a sugya and to think a few hours on it and to be into it and forget about the world around. I mean, if you can do it for 10 minutes, we're so used to, to being mishubit to whatever's pulling us. It, to be able to, it, it's not what's in the technology, that, that's own issues. But the idea that I blocked off these four hours for sitting and learning, that means the world outside doesn't exist. That includes everything, anything that can reach me that time doesn't exist. Um, to me, it's almost, in Shiva by us, we were, we were a little more easy with rules about smartphones. We cracked down, the most important thing to us is, the times when they can be on and not. They have no business being on when you should be in Seder. Because if it's on, even if it's on this, that, anything, then your mind is not there. Once your mind knows that for the next four hours, that's it, it's all about here, and there's nothing else in your world, that's when you can begin doing something. Um, the idea that you can sit down and take a serious thought about life, what should I do? We spoke about things, deciding what cultural things you want, what you don't want, if you're always being schlepped along, you're never leading. You're always being dragged. And, and that a person should become a master over his, over his tools instead of being a slave, that I think is, is on a practical level the number one issue that we're facing. Two, on a deeper issue, um, is the issue of the value of things. I don't remember the Depression. I'm not that old. I do remember the ge my generation always talked about the Depression. But things were not easy. And things took time and money and effort. When I came to me, Yeshiva, in 1970, there was a gemach of gemaras in Bate Ungarn that lent out gemaras for this man because many people could not afford a gemara. So, Baruch Hashem, we're not there. Where we've, you know, Baruch Hashem, economically we're doing much better. But it also means we can't treasure anything. 
it used to be buying a pair of film was a big undertaking. Today, you know, anyone who's reasonably well-to-do puts down his credit card and says, give me the best, or give me not the best, or give me for $1,000, or give me $5,000, whatever the person decides. It has nothing to do with effort. It has nothing to do with wanting to do it. Um, same thing with sitting and learning. You know, there was a time when people paid their way through college, and they would work, and they wouldn't eat. And, you know, that was when I, again, I was already a little after that, but my teachers were people who nobody paid for the college, they paid for it, so they, they took our jobs and so on and so forth. If, if, so my days going to yeshiva was a real sacrifice, and it meant that it was something that you cherished. Today, it's part of what your parents owe you. So we've, since there are very few things that take any sacrifice in our part, they lose, they lose their chashivas. We don't gain by it. In a certain sense, we lose by it. So nothing talks to a person because I, I, even even Milodalma, like people would save up to buy something, save up to buy a typewriter, and when you bought it, you cherished it. Today, there's a credit card, and and, and just you know, you swipe it, and, it, and it's there, and it's on it, and that's it. So in Yiddishkeit, the Mesir nefesh that's needed. If you have to walk to shul, and it's and it's difficult. Then, then you appreciate it. It means something to you. If you ride in with a car and ride out with a car, if you have sort of a, a drive-through type of shul, then, then it doesn't really mean much to you. All of these things, the, the convenience and ease it's Baruch Hashem we do have. Believe me, you don't want to go back to a time when you had to borrow Gemaras. But the flip side is, Sfarim today are, you know, the, the, shiva, the, the Shiva's biggest expense is Geniza. I mean, every year we have to bury all the Gemaras and all everything, all the Sfarim left over, which is like a base magic full of Sfarim that, that, that nobody wants. Um, that's, the, you know, and at least for the coats everybody leaves over, there's a clothing Gemach. So that, that at least we have what to do with. But, so does a person appreciate? We don't. And, and it, we think that when things come cheap and easy, it's better. But perversely, it's not like that. I, I see it as, it's the same thing as true in the Haredi world. Because sitting and learning was a sacrifice once upon a time. Today, it's a granted, a given. There are people who sacrifice, there are people who have a very hard time. But many people, you know, somebody pays the bill and they want everything should be just as good as if they wouldn't be in coal. So it also loses out something. I don't know. You know I don't, I don't, they, 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 that it's a, to me, that's a question. The, the, the feeling, the, the, the quality of feeling towards things suffers greatly when, when, it's, when there's no real sense of sacrifice. So a lot of serious thought beforehand about how much time are you willing to give for it? Wh how, you know, it's a struggle. You have to, what you have to give, let's say let's, you take a program that requires four hours a day, five hours a day, whatever, ten hours a day, whatever it is, you have to determine fairly soon when you get there, how much time do you really need and how much time is dragged, wasted. You could do it in an hour, but you, f you schlep it and it becomes two hours. You go out for a bite, you do this, you do that. 
I, I think becoming much stricter managing your time. If if the course load takes five hours a day, six hours a day, then that's that's what you've signed up for. So that that's what you have to do. But um, be able to say to yourself that every moment is precious because you're young, you're not married, you can still learn quite a bit. If I don't focus and get things done within five hours, and if you force yourself to do it, a lot of times the mind automatically focuses. If you say to yourself, past 10 o'clock at night, I'm not, it, it's going to be done by 10 or I'm, going, uh, or I'm not doing it. So I, I think that is helpful. And also look for models, look for role models in the place. Look at, there are people there who really use their time very wisely and accomplish a lot in learning and do their work and, and, and sort of look at them as a role model. The last question. Yeah. So, l let me explain, I mean, how it, you define it is every person defines everything for himself. But let me explain, a person needs to ask himself, what does it mean? Whatever, whatever appellation, you'll call it Hasidic Yiddishkeit, Yeshiva Yiddishkeit, Modern Orthodoxy, Yekish Orthodoxy, what does it mean? Do I believe that the Tachlis in this world is Torah and Mitzvahs? Do I believe that this is something that encompasses a person totally? Now the question is, other things, some of it, Lamashal, um, the Musa movement felt that learning Musa is a necessary addition or part of Yiddishkeit. Um, to some degree, Hasidim, Hasidim felt emotional involvement in tefillah and singing is necessary. Parts of the of the modern Orthodox movements felt that a certain amount of worldly knowledge is a necessary integration. One, two. Some of the things are a question of how to deal with the world around. The world around is not base medrash. How much participation can I make it so that I can earn a livelihood and be part of it? But nothing. If 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 in your own mind, modern is a heta rather than a chiyuv, it has no place. It, light, Judaism light does not exist because, you know, l let me tell you a story. There was somebody in Eish Torah who came many years ago, very nice boy. He had had a conservative upbringing and was quite knowledgeable, but he wanted to intensify Yiddishkeit. He did not want to become yeshivish. Not that I think Eish would have made him yeshivish, but he didn't feel like becoming yeshivish. So he'd make sure to go away Shabbosim um, from the yeshiva. And then something changed, and he told me about it. He had family who called themselves modern Orthodox in Yerushalayim, and he would go to them for Shabbosim. They were concerned that he would become too yeshivish, and they kept on pounding on him that you know, he shouldn't become too from, shouldn't come too from, shouldn't come too from. And once, before leaving, they told him, remember that whatever it says in Shulchan Aruch Bidi Eved, that's what you should do l'chatchila. 
And something snapped him, and he said, fellas, if you really don't want to do it, why the heck do you do it? In other words, I was non-religious, he said. So I don't have to do it. I'm doing it because I see value in it, because I see it's emis. So why would I want to shortchange emis? It's hard. But a person has to ask himself, if, if Yiddishkeit is, is the supreme value in the world, this is Tzuras Adam. Tzalem Kim means that I represent HaKadosh Baruch Hu the way the Shukh writes it. Tariag mitzvahs are not, like somebody said before, things to make life difficult. They're things to make us Doimet HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It's that Tzalem Kim. It's hard. I can't do everything. I'm slack in some things and so on. But at least I understand that. So the things I slip up on, I slip up on. The things that I feel I can't undertake, but my attitude should always be to do the best, not to do the least. Because what does that say? It says that Hashem is of the least value in the world. A nice car is great, um, but a pair of tefillin, you know, if it's the Avid Kasha, what's the problem? Uh, and, and so on. Rabbi Einim is a friend of Rachel, was the Rav in Silver Spring, once said in a, in a, um, in, in a Shabbat Shubh that there was a fellow that made sure to keep mitzvahs at the bare minimum. That was his life. Kitzah, he comes up to the next world after 120, and they weigh the mitzvahs and averis, and he passes by the skin of his teeth. They tell him, they usher him into a room, and they say, lunch is going to be served soon. A few minutes later, Malach walks in with two cans of OU tuna fish and some crackers. And the guy says, what? This is Olam Haba? So he says, yeah, Ramesh has a chuva, you can be ate Olam Haba with tuna fish and crackers as well. That, that was his, uh, the way he presented it. I mean, it's a, ser- a person needs to make himself a serious cheshman and effort. This is the serious turning point. I was brought up Orthodox, so I'm going to do it. Do I believe it? Do I not believe it? Do I see the value of changing into an Ishal Akim or not? And that means a profound change where life is not about enjoying physical life, it's about striving for Ruchnius. It's thinking, feeling, acting, restraining yourself, containing yourself, Kedusha. That's what an Ishal Akim is. It's a supreme value. And if a person is serious about it, it is the most, it, it's the most fulfilling uh, value. So, so now, what are realistic ways of doing it? S- you know, how much, what type of career, and so on. Fine. There's, there are different approaches, and they all have advantages and disadvantages. But the nisham of it. So that's why when someone, when someone's modern orthodoxy is a very proactive, positive, I kill myself to do mitzvahs and to project the kiddush Hashem, and at tremendous cost to me at my workplace, but I feel a Jew needs to be able to, <coughs> to, to interact with the world around. Kolakavot. It's, it's a very valid cheetah. Some people think differently. That's a very valid cheetah. But if a person says, you know, I, I, I have a friend of mine, he has a shul in Baltimore, and there was a troubled kid there and so on, and then he kind of disappeared. And then a few months later he met him and he said, hi, and what's doing? Great. He said, Don't see you around. He says he davens in such and such a place, in a, in a modern place. He said, Rebbe, I used to think I'm off the derech. I realized I'm not an orthodox. If that's what an orthodox is, that's off the derech. But if it's a strident, very proactive Yiddishkeit, and there are many people that are like that, where a lot of them are serious nefesh. 
but I, I feel that the right surah of realization is with a greater interaction of a broader circle of people. But the mysterious nefesh it takes is not less than someone else who, who has a different path. That's an, I that's an equally valid path. But if it's an easy life, Reb Noach used to say, the biggest detriment to Ruchnius is comfort. You, you know, we want a comfortable life. Not to sweat, not to strain, not anything. If you work hard and, and you're yogea, there are many different drachim to it. If you slack off, even if you wear a spudik and a gartel, you're still slack. Slack is, is cuts across uh, everything also. You, if you're a chassid with an easy life, then are you modern orthodox easy life or you choose the easy life? The common denominator is it's not a ruchnistic life. So Bez Hashem, we should be zocher to be able to um, get that sense of wanting to strive for that life. The, the, the most important piece is the understanding of the person we want to be and why this is the best we could be. And each and every person has to deal with his particular circumstances and having a rebbe that you can call back a Rebbe that you can be in touch with who understands you and understands how to guide you to goals that are realistic for you, that's invaluable in it. Okay. Everyone would like to stay behind and hear more about Yeshiva Gadol of Greater Washington. <laughs> 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 Oh, you are